Again, I guess to relate to my situation, I think so much of it is just take it day by day. I think people get real caught up in thinking what is here is kind of permanent, but that can change tomorrow. Um, and I think just really kind of embracing each day as it comes and knowing that tomorrow might not be the same. Welcome back to the Well Now It podcast. I'm your host, Savannah. So the first episode I ever released was with Kyra Williams, and she talked about her journey battling and surviving cancer at such a young age, and her story is really inspirational. So if you haven't listened to it, I really recommend checking it out, um, and I'm so glad she got to be my first guest. And today I talk with Mackenzie Rigg. Um, He's a friend of mine, and he got diagnosed this past summer with stage 4 brain cancer. So his story is extremely inspirational and it's intense it's it's saddening and I was so upset when I first found out um and during this interview I was holding back tears literally um because it's so moving to hear him speak about his experience and Mackenzie's so young he's 24 years old so I'm sorry if I ever take pauses during this interview I'm really just trying to absorb and reflect what Mackenzie is saying and what he's gone through but sometimes you just don't know what to say and that's okay. The best thing is to show support and I want people to leave this interview feeling inspired and grateful and it'd be great if everyone could show support for the Vikes Kick Cancer fundraiser. You can follow them on Instagram. Um, I'll put the links all in the show notes but I hope you enjoyed this interview and I know it's a tough time for everyone during this pandemic but as Mackenzie said, just taking one day at a time. So I hope you enjoy this interview. I'm here with the wonderful and inspiring Mackenzie Rigg. So Mac and I met um, during university because we were in the same business program and we shared a few of the same classes together during our third year. So when Mac wasn't at school, he was playing soccer and he was the captain of the Vikes soccer team. And fun fact, Mac actually helped me get the job that I'm currently working at today. So I'm in marketing at a tech company and Mac had worked there previously as a co-op student. And when my application came in, he highly recommended me and essentially helped me get the job. I'll always be so grateful that he recommended me. Actually, on his last day of work, he bought me a Starbucks card and then taped it under my desk. Um, So when I started my first day, he was like, hey, I have a surprise for you. And then I looked under and I had a Starbucks card. Um, So just a small gesture like that just shows what kind of person Mac is. Just a kind-hearted person. Unfortunately, Mac was diagnosed this July with stage 4 brain cancer, officially known as astrocytoma grade 4. And when I heard the news, it broke my heart. And I know everyone around him was just in complete utter shock. Like, how could this happen? And it was so saddening to hear, but Mac has really made light of the situation and is serving as an inspiration for us all. So his girlfriend, some of his close friends in the Vikes soccer team have set up a fundraiser for brain cancer research. The fundraiser called Vikes Kick Cancer saw members of the men's and women's soccer team at UVic participate in a 270 kilometer relay this past weekend. So, so far the fundraiser has raised over $68,000 far surpassing its initial goal of $10,000. So Mac, first of all, thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. And I know you're a podcast lover yourself and even once tried to start one. So we can talk about that later, but I'm just really happy to have you on and for you to come share your story. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. 
Yeah. So how are you doing right now? So you're, we were chatting a little bit, so you're in Vancouver right now, but um, you're from Kelowna originally. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that's right. Um, so I've been living in Vancouver for the last couple of months um, where I've been getting treatment that, well, the initial treatment um, wrapped up about two weeks ago. Um, and so now I'm kind of in a limbo period at the moment where I am between what I was getting and what I will get in the future. Um, essentially, I've received six weeks of radiation treatment. And after that, you need an MRI. But because of the levels of radiation in my head right now, um, I need to wait for that to calm down before I can get an accurate MRI. So I'm just kind of hanging out in Vancouver for the next couple of weeks. Nice. Yeah. So before we get into your story... I heard that you were planning to go to the University of Calgary for law school. That's incredible and so impressive. I didn't know that. But I'd love to talk a little bit about your summer and how you've been during quarantine. It looks like you were always outdoors, like golfing or something, but um, it seemed like it was a really great summer. Yeah, yeah. You know, I came off a pretty good summer. Um, with, with kind of COVID, um, I did end up losing my job, um, but it kind of put me into a just kind of outdoor spin, which was great. Um, did a lot of camping, did a lot of hiking, did some canoe trips. Um, was really just trying to make the most of having a free time to get outside. Um, I was accepted into law school at the University of Calgary, which I was supposed to start in September. So I kind of knew that, um, you know, come September, I was to buckle down and kind of get some work done. So yeah, I was just trying to make the most of my summer. Um, my roommate, I kind of got him into climbing a couple of years ago. So we did a lot of that together. We roped our girlfriends into climbing. So they were joining us. But yeah, just trying to get outside and have a really, really great summer. Yeah. So do you mind getting into um, how you found out and what happened right after when you found out? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, this kind of great summer kind of came to a crashing halt. Um, about midway through July, I experienced um, a really bad migraine. And I've had a couple before, but it was it, it was it wasn't anything like what I experienced. Um, again, it was so bad that I figured I needed to get checked out. So I went into the hospital and kind of told them what happened, and they were like, "Well, it sounds like a migraine," and it did. Um, but then it happened again four days later, and so I went back and I was like, "Like, look, this is crazy." I. I've had migraines in the past. This is just something else. I don't know what we can do about it. So kind of sat through a couple of hours of testing and this and that. And same thing, kind of walked away with, sounds like it was a migraine. Um, so it's happened a couple more times before finally I stopped going to the hospital and started working with, um, there's like a emergency clinic in Victoria that you can go to. And it offers more of like a, just a more in-depth experience than like a walk-in or like emergency room. And so a doctor there was able to get me a couple more tests and ultimately a CT scan. So the CT scan was scheduled about three weeks after the first migraine. I think the timeline goes. Um, and it was scheduled for a Friday night at Victoria General Hospital. Um, and yeah, so I walked in there at about 1030, got a scan, and they found a large growth, kind of anywhere between the size of a golf ball to a small orange. Um, and from there, I literally just walked from that area in the hospital over to emergency and checked myself in. From there, I was pretty much immediately, well, I had to wait for the morning, but put into surgery. 
um, to release the excess pressure in my head. And so that was what had been causing the migraines was this kind of between the growth and just a bit of excess fluid. Um, There's just too much pressure in my head. So they had to release that. And then a couple of days later, um, I had a shunt actually permanently installed in my head. You can actually see it. But anyway, oh, wow. um, so it runs from kind of my head through my abdomen or through my body into my abdomen where, again, it can kind of release this excess pressure that builds up from the growth. Wow. So, um, yeah. So how were you feeling when he first told you that you had stage four brain cancer? Like, did you have time to process or did they just kind of rush you into surgery or like, how were you feeling when you first found out? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's totally surreal when they, when they tell you, like, you can't really, you don't really believe them. And it certainly took, took a while for it to kick in. Um, initially it's like, wow, I've been having these, like I knew something was wrong mm-hmm. before going into it. So I was like, okay, well, I guess we have an answer here. And then it was just kind of into surgery, into surgery in the hospital you don't really have a chance to kind of like take a step back and see what's going on, if that makes sense. Um, and initially it was rated. So I was giving an, a diagnosis of an astrocytoma grade two, which is the, which is considerably less severe. Um, and so that also meant that it wasn't as pressing of an issue. It wasn't until later that it got bumped up um, kind of two weeks after I was out of the hospital that they actually changed the grading to a grade four and to me, that was when it really kind of hit home. At this point, we were in Vancouver seeing a doctor here, and it kind of went from, okay, we're going to get you on treatment when we can to, okay, you're starting immediately. Um, and so it was kind of more at that moment that it was like, okay, this is, this is really happening. This is an issue. Mm-hmm. I was sitting, you know, I was sitting in this kind of doctor's office with my mom and She's there just crying and I'm not really sure what to do. Mm -hmm. It's hard news to really take. Wow. That is, that is terrifying. Were you scared when you first found out? I mean, again, it's kind of overwhelming disbelief. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, it is, it is scary, but I guess at the end of the day, I don't, it wasn't because of something I had done if that makes sense it wasn't because I've like Mm -hmm. lived an unhealthy lifestyle it's just pure chance that something like this has happened and I think that kind of allows me to to rationalize it in a different way not like I I, it doesn't come with guilt which I Mm -hmm. think would be hard for you know something that's more of like a lifestyle disease but it just kind of is what it is and it kind of I just kind of got to take it day by day yeah, for sure. And how did you um, tell some of your close friends, your girlfriend, your other members of your family? Yeah, yeah, that was that was certainly tough. Um, I mean, obviously, the immediate, immediate group kind of was seeing that, you know, I was having these migraines and I was in and out of the hospital. So they kind of were already on the, like, watching out. So mm-hmm. when I went in to get the CT scan, I had kind of the immediate, immediate people expecting, well, what, what was it? Mm-hmm. And so obviously that wasn't... <laughs> wasn't great, but I was also pretty, I was kind of out, like I was kind of out of it. I mean, I wasn't there mentally. And then I was, again, I was kind of on medication and stuff. So I, the first, like the time in the hospital is a bit of a blur. Um, I do remember telling my girlfriend and I, I mean, I, I still feel bad. <laughs> I know I, I know I totally gutted her and mm-hmm. she didn't know what to do and was freaking out. I mean, there's just, I don't know how you get around that. You know, my mom was there for the CT scan. So 
she was getting the news right away. My dad flew into town the next day. So yeah, that was, mm-hmm. but again, I was kind of, kind of out of it. So the initial kind of wave passed almost without me doing much just because I wasn't entirely present. But then it kind of got, then it kind of got hard and kind of having to reach out to, to people I needed to tell this to. I've certainly had a couple encounters where I ran into people being like, Hey, let's hang out. I'm like, yeah, what's up? What's going on with you these days? And then I have to be like, yeah. So this thing I have, so that's a bit awkward, but I don't know. Yeah. This is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one thing to find out that you're sick yourself, but I think the hardest part is probably telling your loved ones um, this terrible news that you're sick and that they can't help you. They can't do anything about it. So it's really admirable to see the strength that you have. Big kudos to you for speaking about it publicly. I remember when I saw your first Instagram post just talking about your journey was so inspiring and moving. You could tell that your whole community, everyone around you, was just so touched by your story. And now the fundraiser that you guys have started, the Vikes Kick Cancer, has really touched everyone worldwide. So I'm just wondering, how did the idea come about um, to start this fundraiser? Yeah, um, I mean, so I kind of, but I was and, and just kind of seeing my girlfriend and she mentioned it, I guess, probably about halfway through treatment that she'd been talking with a couple other people from the team and that they were thinking about putting um, putting kind of a fundraiser together. They had no idea what to really aim for or kind of the idea of it, but they figured a, a kind of run would be a good idea and just to raise some money for brain cancer research. So she mentioned that probably mid-beginning of October-ish. Yeah, and then we just kind of started to brainstorm a bit from there. So it was primarily her and then three guys from the men's soccer team as well who were helping out. So yeah, being Trinity, Logan, Will, and Griffin, my old roommate. But yeah, so they just kind of wanted to do something. They thought it was a good opportunity to kind of bring the teams together and do something for a good cause. But yeah, I mean, it certainly it certainly meant it meant a lot when they when they reached out. One thing I have found is it it is a bit like isolating in that all of a sudden I moved from Victoria and I was in Vancouver. I was kind of gone from this team that I'd spent so much time with. You know, kind of new group, different groups of friends here, and so it did feel like I was very removed from kind of this soccer world that I've spent so much time in while I was at Ubeck. Um So to have them reach out like that, man, it meant a lot. It meant a lot. Yeah. And how was it, how was it this weekend? I saw that you ran the final lap. So how did the event go? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it was amazing. Um, yeah. Crazy cool to be a part of. Um, I mean, certainly the first day we had runners in New Zealand, Australia, Germany, Korea, Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like the support just kept flooding in. We had hundreds of runners. Um, lots of money was raised. Tons of just like good positive messaging being sent around. You know, I had a couple of people run a marathon for it this weekend. I saw. Um, that's incredible. Yeah. Like it was just, mm-hmm. yeah, it was amazing. Um, and each day was just like another <laughs> amazing day of support mm-hmm. and people just, yeah, reaching out. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was totally totally surreal it was it was an incredible weekend you've really built this remarkable community around you and brought together um, a bunch of people from all walks of life for this incredible cause so I was wondering what are you getting up to these days how are you keeping yourself busy that is a great question (laughs) (laughs) um yeah I mean certainly the first like I got to Vancouver and I was getting treatment every day so that was kind of 
what I was doing. Um, and then that stopped. And so, I mean, I was in Tofino, so that was nice. And I was on the island, so mm-hmm. that was kind of nice. And But yeah, I mean, now I'm in this weird I'm in this weird kind of limbo for the next couple of weeks, especially with COVID being on lockdown. Yeah. So like this morning, I've gone for a run. I'm, um, I read a lot more than I used to. <laughs> um, I took a photography course. Oh, nice. But I guess I was wondering, yeah, do you have any other side effects that prohibit you maybe physically to do things? I'm certainly, I'm certainly limited compared to what I used to be able to do. Um, I kind of have like an app. If I, if I get up and do something in the morning, I probably have like an hour to an hour and a half of kind of physical activity I do before I start to get headaches and just like feel crappy. Um, and as the day like spreads on, I just get, I have less endurance for things. Probably the best way to put it. I just get tired and feel crappy and get headaches. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I take, like I'm on a prescribed drug, dexamethasone to help kind of with brain swelling, um, which kind of helps with some of these side effects of the radiation. Um, but not, they're still there. I was going to say, maybe now's the time to start your podcast. Maybe. Restart maybe it again. now is the time. <laughs> yeah. Contact my, my, my old roommate. <laughs> yeah. So I guess what are some things that you never expected would come out of your, like, your diagnosis? Anything to do with like radiation or just people that you've met? Anything you mm-hmm. can think of? Um, I mean, I, I think two things that really like kind of come to mind. One, certainly being, you know, when people think, oh, cancer diagnosis, like that's about as negative of a thing as one can get. But if you like the net positivity through this experience has been unbelievable. Um, Like the amount of people that have reached out and have shown me kind of kindness and support has just been crazy. Like it's been beyond anything I could have expected. And in so many ways, this has been such a positive experience and kind of reaching out with all these people that have kind of, you know, crossed paths with sometime in the last, oh, I don't know, 15, 20 years. Like it's been amazing. And so that kind of brings me to the next point of just like people are full of kindness. And I, I don't think I really appreciated how far that can really go. I've certainly been on the tail end of experiencing all these people being so kind and just how much that has meant. So for me, that's been a huge takeaway and just kind of looking out for your fellow person and offering a hand or, you know, support a nice message where you can and yeah, just how much that, that can mean. So that's certainly a big, a big, a big takeaway that I've, I've had from this. That's awesome. And um, I'm wondering when you have, I guess, bad days, like bad metal days when you're feeling down, um, what do you do? Do you have someone that you talk to? Is there, do you go outside for a walk or how do you keep your spirits up? Yeah. I mean, certainly for me recently, I mean, again, I, I guess prior to this, I would uh, exercise was my, always my go-to, but I can't really do that to the same degree at the moment. So I would certainly say going for walks with kind of people and friends. Um, you know, again, I've had a lot of people reach out kind of looking to get together. And so I take them up on that. Um, you know, people I haven't seen in a long time, we'll go for a walk, you know, we'll go grab coffee and go somewhere and just really kind of taking advantage of that. And, and again, that just kind of reaching out and touching base with people and yeah, just kind of touching on those like little friendships. I think for me, it goes a long way and certainly mm-hmm. picks me up. Um, and I had one final question for you. Um, do you have any advice or maybe words of wisdom, just anyone facing any hardship in general? Yeah, 
again, I guess to relate to my situation, I think so much of it is just take it day by day. I think people get real caught up in thinking what is here is kind of permanent, um, but that can change tomorrow. Um, and I think just really kind of embracing each day as it comes and knowing that tomorrow might not be the same. Um, I know that kind of, I guess that can kind of go both ways, but I think in a positive way, that means, you know, things can change and things can change for the better. Um, and just not to get kind of trapped in the same old, tomorrow's going to be a bad day, but rather mm-hmm. tomorrow's a new day, full opportunity. And as you know, my podcast is called Well Now What? And you're facing the biggest Well Now What moment of all and what to do next. And I can't imagine how scary it is, but to see the community that you've created and the people that you've brought together is so admirable. Your strength, your courage is is insane. It's it's so inspirational. And, and Mackenzie, we're all rooting for you. We're all here to support you. So thank you for sharing your story, not only with me, but with other people. I've seen you on the news and on the radio, just bringing light to your situation and raising awareness for brain cancer research. I can't say it enough. Thank you again for just being honest and raw with me. I've really appreciated our conversation. Yeah, well, hey, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I mean, I guess for anyone listening, the Bikes Gate Cancer Fundraiser is still open. Um, we've raised a ton of money, but hey, I mean, not bad raising just a couple more. Mm-hmm. And yeah, what's next with the with the fundraiser there? Um, yeah, so, huh? I, I guess from here, it's kind of figuring out where to direct these funds um, because I cross, because we crossed $50,000 raised, I can kind of direct where it goes more specifically. So I actually have a couple of meetings with them coming up to kind of talk about what, what our options are and what would, yeah, and just where it would be a good place to kind of place that money. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Mackenzie. And that was Mackenzie Rigg. What a beautiful person inside and out. If you like this episode, please share it on Instagram and tag the Well Now What podcast. And please check out the Vikes Kick Cancer fundraiser and donate if you can. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next week.